0: Hello and welcome to the Sins and Virtues podcast, covering everything from gratitude to gluttony and greed. I'm musician James Wilson, and in this podcast you'll hear from creative practitioners finding out what motivates them and how the seven deadly sins and seven heavenly virtues have impacted their outlook as artists. In this series, which focuses on the virtue gratitude, you'll meet academic and broadcaster Professor Mona Siddiqui, as she sits down with four artists to discuss what gratitude means to each of them. In this latest episode, Mona takes time out to talk to Ioni Maria Rojas, an ecological creative practitioner who divides her time between the UK and Mexico and can often be found down on a farm. Her passion for horticulture and visual arts sees her working with wild clay, soil chromatography and botanical inks. She speaks about the difficulties of being labeled an artist, the need to better understand the world we live in and discovering her great-aunt's journals.
1: Ione, welcome.
2: Thanks. It's really nice to be here.
1: Let's start with your childhood, your family life, and the early influences which shaped you and your uh, your work today.
2: So, my mother's an artist. It feels important to start with that because she's been a, a huge influence in my life. and. My father is, I don't know if he'd define himself as an artist, but he definitely lives in a very creative way. And both of them just really encouraged me to ask questions when I was little. So I think, uh, I think I naturally, I think I was born very inquisitive anyway, and they really allowed that and gave a lot of permission to that. So I think that's that's what's led me into whether it's creative pursuits or others, you know, that's kind of led me through my life is, is having this hunger for asking questions.
1: What kind of artist was your mother or is your mother?
2: She, she's moved between disciplines. She started as a graphic designer. She actually was working as a graphic designer in Mexico City when she met my dad. So my father's Mexican and that was where they met. She now is an abstract oil painter. And she takes a lot of inspiration from landscape. So that was kind of the other thread as I grew up is uh, there was this real passion for being outdoors. It's funny because I was thinking the other day, neither my parents were particularly sporty. We didn't really do these big outdoor activities. But my mum pays a lot of attention to what's happening in her garden, what creatures are around. If there was a bug on the table, we'd stop and look at it and... I think it really developed this awareness in me of all of the other beings that we share the planet with and this real curiosity for all these other lives, the more than human world. Both of my parents saw that and recognized that and, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of cultivated at home. And that's something I've really returned to now. Um, it's it's something that comes through in lots of areas of my work. You
1: say that your father's Mexican. Did you grow up in Mexico at all or were you raised in Britain?
2: I was raised in Britain in a small little village uh, in Kent called Westmorling, And um, we used to visit Mexico quite often. So I have these very visceral memories of the place. You know, I don't have clear narratives really, but I have... These really strong, like smells that come back to me, or particular sounds. Um, we used to go once every couple of years, but my dad left when I was eight and moved back to Mexico, so there was a bit of a kind of cut then. And where I grew up, it was you know a small village, kind of predominantly white area. Going to a you know a local primary school, then to a Kent grammar school, and it it felt like a lot of that influence.
1: Left. Do you remember feeling grateful for the life that you had as a child, any kind of gratitude to your parents or the environment in which you grew up, even the trips to Mexico?
2: I think I felt a lot of curiosity. And I've wondered if that's, if that is actually a form of gratitude, to be curious about the world is to want to know it and is to connect with your environment. And for me... I don't quite know how those things are linked, but they feel really linked. And I, I, I remember a feeling of excitement as well. Of um, I read a lot of books as a kid. I really, really liked reading, and I used to read a lot of books where about animals and where animals would talk to people. And I remember having this this feeling as a kid, where I'd kind of go, I'd go off down this little lane opposite our house. And there were all these um, conifer trees and I'd see squirrels moving about and birds. And I'd have this feeling of just like I was just waiting for the moment when one of them would say something and I'd understand. I felt like it was always just about to happen or like I'd kind of my cat would walk into the room and I'd look at it thinking, now's going to be the minute when this magical thing happens and this whole other world reveals itself to me. And I remember that excitement. And I think whilst that that didn't exactly happen, there was this feeling of how amazing that I get to be in this space and I get to explore these things. But but I don't know if a ch- I definitely as a child, I wouldn't have articulated it as gratitude, but this kind of excitement and, and this feeling of possibility.
1: So what drew you to your art form and how would you describe it?
2: That's a good question. I'm still trying to work out how to describe it. In all truth, it's really only been in the past two years that I've even felt brave enough to say I'm an artist.
1: Why does that require bravery?
2: Maybe bravery to overcome a feeling of imposter syndrome, that that feeling that some big finger is going to come out of the sky and say, you're not an artist, you can't say that, which I think I've learned is actually just capitalism. <laughs> and yeah, so so even just that feeling of referring to myself as an artist feels very new.
1: When you say you were curious I see from your writing and from your work, there's a real desire to connect with basically nature around you in all its forms, to to be attentive to that. What makes an artist then?
2: Hmm. Yeah, this is something I've been thinking about. I've actually been thinking a lot about this in terms of writing, because that's the new one that I feel I now am struggling to say is um, I I actually was journaling a while ago on how funny that I can... Fill pages and pages and pages with writing. I can have a stack of journals by my bed that I, you know, write in regularly. And I can feel that because I don't earn my income through it, or I'm not published, or I don't write concrete pieces that have a recognized form, I'm therefore not a writer. And yet I'm very happy to say I write and I write actually every day. And I actually write to understand the world. And when I feel lonely, it's my Probably my biggest companion is knowing I can write. Like a
1: refuge almost.
2: It's a refuge. It's a kind of trail of breadcrumbs. You know, when I feel lost, often I'll go back and often on um, a particular day, if I feel lost, I'll go back and find the journal from last year and see if I can find what I was writing on the same day last year. And there's normally always something a bit, you know, mundane in there, some little insight, something quite comforting it helps me have this relationship with myself. I feel the same about the creative process. I think actually what makes an artist is this exploration of, of understanding who we are and how we relate to the world around us and this kind of curiosity and yeah, it's something, something about trying to move in a, in a different way or um, being open to being moved by the world. In a way,
1: you're kind of avoiding the use of gratitude, but everything you're saying to me speaks of gratitude, that gratitude is about a lack of complacency, um, a sense of humility in our place in, in life, in the world, a recognition that other things matter, not just nature, but everything around us matters and has its place. And so in some ways, what you're really talking about is Um, Not just recognising your own place in life um, as an artist or as a human being, but being attentive to and nurturing things that are around you. And part of exploration is also based on a desire to know more, but also maybe to nurture more.
2: Mm, That's a really lovely interpretation. I think the more we know about things and the more we understand things, the more we relate to other beings, there is often a desire to to nurture, it's kind of that desire to connect. I was also thinking when you were talking about gratitude then and that, you know, not being complacent, um, There can, I can feel really grateful for the lack of obstacles in my life. I have had many obstacles, but there are also many obstacles that I don't face um, because of the the skin and the place and the class and the body I was born into. I've had certain pathways open up to me And because of my relationships and family and education and experiences, I've also encountered difficulties or traumas. And this whole question of feeling grateful for what I have, I'm really trying to ask myself at the moment, how do I feel grateful for what I have without it becoming a focus on feeling guilty or feeling indebted?
1: most of us see gratitude as a virtue. And in my life of faith, I do see gratitude as a virtue, but it's also a problematic virtue that it does lead exactly to, to what you're saying. Issues around indebtedness, there's power struggles in gratitude. Gratitude can also make you complicit in conflicted loyalties and various other things. So from what you're saying, it sounds to me that's when you look at your own life and you're grateful for what you have even if you have struggled in some areas you then also become aware of the inequalities around you the things that so many people don't have just because they happen to have been born in a particular class or have a particular skin color or not have the the particular background and I think that's what leads to a level of humility as well and then wanting to give something back because you are so conscious that you have more, that I have more than so many people.
2: Mm, I suppose if gratitude can be an invitation into, I feel grateful and I feel excited. You know, I feel excited. I recognize how I'm connected to other people, other beings in the world, even to just the spaces around me. I recognize what I have access to. I recognize um, what, what comes my way and I'm excited by it. And I want to kind of explore that as opposed to I feel guilty about it and I feel I need to do something. It's a, it's a very different driver. And I think it. I think you can I know I can feel in me when an action is coming from a place of, oh, I really should do this thing to kind of make up for or to give back. But in this kind of guilty, indebted way. And when it's coming from a place of, you know, I'm excited by something that I can learn or find out or. A relationship I can build here
1: you've got to find joy it, it can't come from a place of feeling duty bound or as you say guilt because I don't think that's giving back um, giving should come to some extent I think from the desire to give not necessarily the duty to give even though I think duty does have its place but just turning back to your own art now, I mean, you're saying you're, you, you know, you're writing and you're just writing because you want to write and create. But is there one goal that you want to achieve in the next couple of years?
2: Oh, <laughs> I would actually really like to to learn more about the craft of writing because it has been such a friend and a support. I've been very, I've felt quite resistant, actually, of trying to develop it because I've been scared of what happens when you know because we do live in a in a capitalist society and there is this drive of well what are you going to do with it and what are you going to make and what's your five-year plan and are you going to you know publish something or I've I felt very protective of my writing practice um and like it's something that actually I don't want to put through that process and at the same time I can feel it starting to push against its edges and it it wants more space and it's, you know, if I think if I actually think about writing as a form of making, then I think, oh, I'd love to understand how to have a few more skills or how to shape it in a different way or how to hone a craft. Then I feel quite excited of oh, it would be really great to just, you know, learn a bit more about form, structure, voice. And um, is it
1: the is it the fact that you're hesitant about you know you've used the word capitalist quite a few times but is it because you think we live in a society that's so focused on productivity and that you must have an end goal and you must show something for who you are and what you are or is it also a little bit about your own maybe reticence about what are people going to say when they read what I've written?
2: Definitely both (laughs) it's definitely both Um, and I think you know I, I think also kind of capitalism becomes a catch-all for me for this feeling of productivity, urgency, linear thought, um, working in a single discipline, having a kind of predictable trajectory, not having any chaos or (laughs) messiness, perfectionism, you know, this kind of very particular set of ideals that I have found it really sometimes quite difficult to not difficult to break away from that, difficult to hold my own in the face of that. So yeah, there is a wariness about what will people think, how will things land and how will I stand up against some of those forces, I guess, that that, that I don't align with or that, that don't agree with me.
1: How did the last few months living with COVID restrictions affect your work?
2: When COVID actually first kind of broke out, I was in Mexico Um, And I was actually due to be working, so this was the summer of 2020, I was due to be working in Norway uh, with an ecological artist and I was going to be working as her assistant, helping her produce some projects, but also what really drew me to the role was she was also wanting someone to look after, she has some land and she grows vegetables there and she wanted to develop that more. So I also work as a food grower. So for me, this was kind of perfect because it had these two elements of my practice um, and I'd be having this kind of mentor role. But uh, so I came, I rushed back to England also because everyone here was saying, you know, just get back home and come and be safe. And as I got back to England, Norway closed the borders and we went into lockdown. Um, And I actually ended up, I'm really lucky in that I could go to my parents' place. They live in Devon. And in a really beautiful area. My sister was also at home. But I ended up at home for a year unemployed, which was so not the plan. (laughs) Um, And I felt really, really grateful to have this home to kind of land into. And I also felt all of the tensions of being back in the family home and how that felt. I'm, you know, I'm 35 now, so also how that feels at my age, realising the kind of work I do doesn't actually give me the security or stability to have my own home to return to. So it it threw up quite a lot of questions about, yeah, I guess about longer term security and stability.
1: I think a lot of people probably found themselves in the same situation in the last few months as they had to return home. Being at home as a child and then moving away and then coming back as an adult uh, is a very different experience, full of joy, but also full of a lot of tension. I only last couple of questions. Is there any one thing which you can share that's happened to you in your recent or distant past that you regret having said or done?
2: Oof. <laughs> just get out a small scroll with a long list of things. This is why I there.
1: emphasize one thing.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. What well, It's just interestingly, I don't know what's been going on recently, whether it's something in the in the wider universe or whether it's something of the times we're in, but I feel I've been reliving and experiencing a lot of things um, like that. I suppose one thing actually is uh, last year, my this kind of links to writing last year, my great aunt died, my grandmother's sister. um, And I really regret not having spent more time with her because She was just fascinating and funny and when we cleared her house, she had journals and journals and I realised there's this um, lineage, you know, this wonderful lineage and on her bookshelves I found a book that my uh, great-great-uncle had um, published at some point that was about Actually, it wasn't worded this way, but it was essentially about spirituality and mental health. And in my great aunt's notebooks, I found so many questions and poems and I really saw this part of her that was seeking to understand the world. Did family members know about her journal? I'm not sure. I felt like it came as a surprise to us all that there was so much and I think I know my my mum was really moved at some of her questions and I think we all knew that she was someone who had a really inquisitive brain and kind of asked a lot of questions. But I just, I felt such a connection in that moment and a real sadness as well. And it did make me think about what it is to have the generations above me and how important it is to hear their stories and understand where I come from on both sides. In England, I mean, that's that's partly also what's fueled me developing this relationship with mexico now as an adult because i just feel there's so there's so much richness and there's so much vastness in all of the generations who've come before me it would be crazy to try and understand my place in the world without understanding their lives as well
1: absolutely i think it's a journey that a lot of us don't make simply because we don't realize the importance of it till it's almost too late and the generation mm-hmm. above us just becomes the older generation. And we sort of ignore the fact that they have led interesting, moving lives and have their own thoughts about the world. Um, so I think it's you're absolutely right to be thinking about this. Um, and finally, Ioni, what's the one hope that you carry forward?
2: Oh, that we really learn to value what we have, actually, as, as humans and really learn how to look after each other. That sounds I feel like I've just made a statement like a politician that's incredibly broad and bland. But again, it's one of those I could break it down into so many categories. But I think ultimately, yeah, to try and go beyond our own egos and and actually look at what's possible when we really sit down and connect with each other and learn about each other's differences and similarities and, and find those points of connection.
1: I think that's a wonderful thought to end on. I only thank you so much for being my guest and I wish you well.
2: Thank you. It's been so nice speaking to you. Really lovely.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sins and Virtues podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, go to www.jameswilsonflutes.com. Or follow me on Twitter at WilsonFlute. This series is supported by the Fenton Arts Trust and Help Musicians. May your day be filled with gratitude.